I would highly recommend that either, you know, set aside some time every morning or just a few times a week, but just put that on your calendar and just let yourself go and don't worry about what you're writing. Just, yeah, I think there are, there are various levels of kind of accountability and writing help that you can uh, look for, right? So maybe you would look for a local writing group of other you know, other folks who are also kind of working on similar projects, business books, that sort of thing, or just people who are... Hey, everyone, and welcome back. It is another episode of Leaders Talk. I am Andrew Dupi. I'm the Chief Relationship Officer here at Leaders Press. And as usual, you are not here to hear me. You are here to hear my guest. And my guest here today is Jesse Kwok. Jesse is an author and Jesse is a ghostwriter, and she is here to tell us about the wonderful adventure that being one of those two things can be. Jesse, hello and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a bit of pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and about what you do. Yeah, so I have been writing for most of my life, but the past uh, decade or a little bit more, I have been working as a freelance copywriter and writing books for myself um, and also other people. So I write for kind of for fun. I write science fiction. And then I also write nonfiction business books. And then, as you mentioned, ghostwrite business books for clients. You see, that, that's interesting. Now, you are not a Leaders Press, one, one of the uh, members of our team. Um, you're, you're an outside voice, which is going to be actually kind of interesting for our audience, because I think a lot of them are in a position where they're thinking about writing a book. They're in a position where, you know, they, they have a business, they want something to plug into their business as a funnel, but they, they have so many problems writing it themselves. But there's an inevitable fear of the concept of handing your book over to somebody to write it for you. And maybe even a little bit of a stigma that I don't think should be attached to it, but that still is. Do you think there still is a little bit of that nowadays? Oh, I think, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I see that just in the the clients that I work with, like they're very happy to work with me and they, uh, you know, the process is great. And so, but uh, when it comes to how I'm credited in the book, you know, it's not by Jesse Quack. Right. <laughs> and exactly. often in the acknowledgements, you know, I'll be referred to as an editor, a developmental editor, a book coach. So people are very happy to acknowledge my role in the process. But when you, as soon as you say ghostwriter, it come it summons up this idea that oh well you didn't actually do any of the work did you which is honestly completely incorrect and something that when i have new clients coming to me i i have to dispel that illusion a bit and say you know you, this is actually going to be more work than you think you're going to be way more involved in the process this is all of your ideas all of your all of your thoughts you know i am just you're essentially writing the first draft in the interview stage you're just not writing it you know fingers to keyboard, I'm taking those interviews and taking that, you know, quote unquote, first draft or the transcripts and turning it into a, you know, developmentally editing it into a sellable book. Yeah. And, and see that, and I think there's a lot of, there's some overlap in the editing and, and maybe even in the concept of ghostwriting, because I know for a fact that having worked with many editors over the course of years, both professionally and in, in personal life, I know that one of the great things that an editor must always watch out for is to make sure that they never step on the author's voice, that mm -hmm. pr preservation of voice should be their number one first goal, produce the book, save the voice. Don't Isn't it similar for a ghostwriter when they're approaching something? Isn't that also something that they, they have as kind of their, their touchstone? Yeah, yeah. And because 
I work off uh, interviews and transcripts mostly, but the way that you might say something is obviously different than how you're going to write it. So I have to right. con- constantly be balancing that of like, okay, this is how somebody, the sentence that you said to me in the interview, but how would you have actually written that? And so, you know, I'm often mm-hmm. looking at if hopefully people have, you know, maybe some blog posts that they've written or even just kind of their conversational email style that I, I can start to gather like, okay, this is how you would phrase something. Um, but yeah, the, and that's, you know, with so many different, everyone has a slightly different voice, different metaphors that they tend to use different, um, you know, oh, some people will never use like military phrases or sports jargon. Mm-hmm. They just don't like that. Other people are all about like, yeah, we're kicking the ball down the field and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're like, okay, we're using all fishing metaphors with you or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, you start to like gather people's vocabulary as well as their ideas. And see, that's so important to, for, I think, a potential author who's thinking about having uh, professional help in writing understand that it's not, you don't, you're not coming at it with a form that you're going to then mold their writing into. Part of your job as the ghostwriter is to begin to learn who the other person is and to make sure that you speak as authentically as them as possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. So then that, how do you address that with someone who says, well, you know, I'm afraid that getting involved with you, I'm going to lose my voice. Cause we hear that very often from new authors is, is, is one of the objections they have you know, it's not stopping themselves because it's something they want to do, but they throw that objection up in front of themselves saying, I'm almost like an empty nest syndrome kind of thing. I'm scared of what will happen if I hand my idea to somebody else to make. Yeah. And I mean, I think that is a a real fear. And as somebody who I've been ghostwriting for years, and so I'm one of the ways that I kind of address that with potential clients is say, you know, I can give you multiple examples of things that I've written. You know, maybe I, maybe my name's not on it publicly, but I do have permission to share, you know, a wide variety of clips. So you can see, oh, here's something, a blog post that was in, you know, a a marketing magazine. So it's very jargony and Mm -hmm. hip. Here's something that was in psychology today. Here's something that was published. That's a more like broad audience. Here's something that's a more specific to this target audience. So, you know, being able to share those, they can say, oh, okay. You, you can write in a bunch of different voices, so I'm sure you can probably also write in mine. <laughs> Absolutely. And, I, and also, I think that people underestimate how common this has already been. Um, I, I, yeah, the, the word stigma gets thrown out. I already threw it out there. But the thing about it is this has really been something that's been done for decades, maybe even longer. And really what I feel like is going on now is that it's less that uh, there's more ghostwriting. It's more that they're, we're just openly acknowledging it now and understanding it's not such a negative thing. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's things have always been ghostwritten. And yeah, now people are just a little bit more willing to say out loud that they worked with a ghostwriter. And I mean, I think more people are looking or realizing that having a, a business book can be such a great tool for promoting their business and you know whether they're trying to right. get speaking engagements or whatever it is more and more people are like oh i need to have written a book and so there there's just more books out there in the world that are getting <laughs> written as well 
Oh yeah, no, and that that's just it. I mean, it, it's like it is one of the themes that we've been seeing on this podcast and the interviews is just how much the modern world has begun has begun to become that if you're in business, you need to instead of thinking in the terms of go out, knock on doors all the time, push yourself out there, Johnny Hustle, be there all the time. It's now become you need to have someone for people to find you. You need to have a central point where you have your social media that's integrated with a book, preferably, that then leads people directly to you. So, I mean, isn't it now having a book is even more important and since it's become easier to have? Yeah, I would absolutely say so. Yeah, because, I mean, that's just it. it, it, it with With almost the democratization of writing <laughs> and how, because I mean it used to be that the traditional publishers controlled everything it controlled the intake even really if you were going to get a ghostwriter I mean I know for a fact I've, I've talked to some people that were old school that were ghostwriting in the 80s and you know they the way they worked was through the very back channel of the traditional publisher hooked you up with the person and all of that so now it's become very easy for people to find this. Um, so how has how how that changed writing just in general? Do you think it's better or do you think it's worse with the way that we're going now? Because I know some people that think that, the, that it's worse and that the old traditional ways are better. Yeah, I think it's a that's a really interesting question. And I don't, I think there, just because there is more writing out there in the world and more books out there in the world, the volume of bad ones is going to increase for sure, right? Mm. But I think the volumes of good of good ones is also increased. So you might be able to point to, hey, there's just way more poorly written books out there, but there's also <laughs> way more well written books out there, and that hasn't. I don't. I don't think that ratio of badly written things to goodly written things has changed much. I mean, there's always been, you know, pulp fiction novels that are just just what you're going to find. You know, as a science fiction writer, like. I'm looking some of my competitors. I'm like, man, you just like pumped that out in a week and threw it up on Amazon and you're you know, <laughs> making lots of money off it. And how well can that be written? But that's always been around. We've always had the Pulp Fiction dime store novels, right? Yeah. So that hasn't changed. It's just the volume, I think, of publishing has changed. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really the, the way that I've seen it too, because you know, I, I've, I've been in publishing now for a little while and have done my due diligence and now, how things have altered. And really, it, it has just become that there's just more of it. But that's the same for everything right now. I mean, it's like news cycles. We see stuff we would have never seen in the news 20 years ago. We, we, see, we see movies and shows we would have never seen or would have never been produced 20 years ago. I mean, in the 1980s, we, we, would, we would wait with bated breath to see if the science fiction show we liked was going to get canceled. For me, my first, my first disappointment was Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but nowadays, shows like that, that come on the air all the time and they stay on. And you know, so really, it's just that people have to begin to alter their thinking now towards what the modern world is in, in publishing and in media. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed, I think, by the amount of books that are out there, but the flip side of that is the amount of audience that is out there is also exponentially growing and it's easier to find those people than it was before. And for most, for most business authors who are, you know, trying to write a book to promote their business or because they're trying, they've got an important story they're trying to tell, you're not necessarily needing to get on Oprah 
and reach every single person mm-hmm. in the United States with your book, if you can find your true thousand fans, you can find those people anywhere. And it's so much easier to find them and connect with them these days than it was, you know, 10, 15, 50 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, you, instead of being spooked by how many books are out there, I think looking at the amazing opportunity we have to find our actual core direct readers is so huge. Yeah. And I mean, and that's absolutely, you don't have to have massive volume. And we keep hearing that also on the podcast is like your reach is only as good as the quality of who you're reaching. So mm-hmm. let's say that someone that's listening right now is resonating with them. Cause we're going to have a lot of people that are fence sitting authors right now that, that are thinking about doing it because and now they're engaging in the educational part. They're educating themselves about their many different offers. Uh, how does somebody that is go from the germ of an idea saying, I have this business, I know I need a book, but gosh darn it, I don't know how to do it. What's their steps? What is their steps to actually get to the point where they've got an actionable idea that can be turned into something? I think trying to figure out what problem your audience needs solved most and how, you know, that problem that intersects with your skills and your offerings the best. I would just keep asking yourself that question. Like, what is it that I offer that corresponds to a problem that I can solve also by writing a book? Um, mm-hmm. I I look at content marketing books included as an extension of your core services rather than something that's completely outside of it. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you are, you know, you offer um accounting services specifically for, um, you know, a certain subset of, of company, you would probably write a book that is an extension of those services and help solve that problem in a way that only you can really do. And so when they're looking for, oh, wow, this, this book really helped me, but I want to go deeper. Who are they going to look to there? They'll look to you. So that that's, that's how I would approach it is what, are, what of your core services could you turn into a or answers a question and solves a core problem for your audience? Yeah, exactly. Because what that's really what you're doing. I, I, I get another theme that we're regularly touching on is the ability to move people off of your media, the ability to move people off of media you don't control, like let's say LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, materials like that to begin to move them on the media that you do control. And in that case, do you see a book as a great way to be able to pivot that, to say, look at the book as you start with LinkedIn, you start with an ad on Amazon, it leads you to the book, the book then leads you to you, and then finally you're one-on-one with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, a book can be a great way to get people onto your newsletter as well, which is media that you control and can be a very powerful way of connecting with people. Yeah, and and, and that's just... in. <clears throat> then wouldn't it be beneficial for someone who is a business author to then begin to look at somebody like you or Leaders Press or you know others that are out there that have either masterminds, coaching, material that is there to help them support and actually just have a third set of eyes, uh, this or second set, third set, fourth set. I don't know. We could have some reticulums <laughs> in here. Uh, I've been watching. I've been rewatching X-Files. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Is my 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 every my every few year rewatch is is it, I'm I'm in season three, but oh, so man, I'm uh, due for hey, a rewatch. <laughs> yeah, 
So, so you know, it, it's a, so you, having that third set of eyes, though, having or second set of eyes, having someone out there looking at it, that helps you to understand what you need to actually begin to target and how to target people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, I, I think that's part of the reason why, like, I've, I, when I talk to a new client, every once in a while, I get the question of like, well, can I just send you a YouTube video that I I did and you can write something based off that? Or what if I just dictate something and then you can work off that transcript? And for me, I the interview is such a core part of the ghostwriting process because that's where I'm like, oh, but you said this earlier. Now you're saying this now. What do you think of these two things together? And then you see those sparks mm-hmm. happening and it's just that in-person conversation really can help the author gel their idea in a way that was doesn't happen if you're just thinking on your own. I love that you went there. Yeah, I I love that you went there because I I actually want to do a little bit of a deep dive that on that here at the uh, kind of the the last half of what we're talking about, because yeah, that's so important. And I I think that gets lost on a lot of people that the ghostwriting process or professional writing or professional help, however you want to put it, the ghostwriting process is so is is different because you may find things when engaging with someone one on one in conversations that you may not have thought about if you're just going to sit down and and try to slog through and it is a slog to write. I mean, even successful New York Times bestselling authors will tell you it's a slog to actually get it done. There's so many different things you you think about when you're when you have someone you're talking to. Mhm. Yeah. And I think, and part of it is accountability as well. I mean, that's right. one client that I recently was working with. He's written books on his own before. And he was just like, I don't have time or the, like the, um, the motivation, I think he was <laughs> saying like to really just make myself sit down and do it. But if we have two calls scheduled every week, I'm going to show up at these calls and I'm going to give you everything that I've got right now. And he's like, but I, I'm not going to show up for a writing session every week just because I've, I have too much other things on my plate. And so, you know, that for him, it was the consistency of just the regular calls and, and plus the collaboration and knowing that I would be there to help, you know, pull things out, even if he wasn't really feeling it. So that I think that can be a really effective (laughs) way to get you through that slog. Cause it is a slog. I mean, writing my own books, it's a slog. So. Well, yeah, there's always going to be even, even if you find the process fun, there, there's just always going to be those times where, you know, it, it's getting it onto the page is difficult. I, I mean, I've told this story before uh, on the podcast, but I'll tell it again. And I, I went to a talk with Pat Rothless and he was talking about writing in the name of the wind. And he said in the middle of it, you know, this is the worst book ever. No one's ever going to read it. It's terrible. I hate it. I hate myself. I hate this book. It's, this is the worst thing ever. I'm doing a bad thing. And then he kept on writing. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had the moment. He had the moment where he just let it pass over him. And then he's like, it's done. And then he just started typing again. And, but that's hard for someone that isn't a professional day-to-day author. I mean, Pat Rothwell spends 90 hours a week writing. Right. But a CEO who's working 90 hours a week can't spend another 90 hours to fit in to do that. Yeah. No, I'm really, uh, my husband is constantly like, I'll go to, oh, this book's terrible. Not, not client books. Those are 
because it's not my project, I'm not having the same yeah. reaction, but with my projects, I'm just like, this is the worst thing I've ever written. And he's like, all right, all right. I'll just wait until tomorrow. The next day I'm like, <laughs> everything's great. Everything's perfect. He's like, uh-huh. Yep. Well, and, and, and see that that's part of the author journey that I don't think everybody that, it, that people who have not been an author don't realize until they've tried to do it. That, and when they try to do it, they don't realize that there's just going to be a wall that they're going to hit at one point. I think every author's done it. I mean, even Stephen King says that he still runs into this problem, that as he's writing, he just runs into a, is this really a good idea? Should I really have been doing this? Is this book really the one I should put out? Having someone that you're connected to and working with you helps you get over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I, I definitely encourage our our potential listeners. Yeah, don't be afraid <laughs> of the uh, of the process. Um, so you know, with that said, what advice do you have uh, as someone who does write successfully? Let's say that someone is listening to us right now. They're they're fence sitting. They're very close to being able to do it. What what advice do you have if they actually want to try writing something themselves? Not necessarily engaging something, but at least just to try it on and put on the writer's cap for a little while. Because we definitely have authors that are going to want to try to do it themselves. Yeah, I think consistency is super important. And you don't need to write every day. But if you just sit down at the beginning of your week and say, okay, these are the three three hour-long sessions that I'm going to write throughout the week, you know, put those on your calendar and make that into a habit. Um, one really good writing habit that can help you. I, yeah. Like you said, try on the writer's cap and help, help clarify some of your ideas is just the first thing in the morning, writing three pages longhand or, you know, 500 words on typing 500 words. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of that, whatever comes, you don't have to worry about what it, what it is. Um, and this is an exercise called morning pages that you'll find in Julia Cameron's the, um, oh no, I've lost it. Do you know which book I'm talking about? Way of I art, do not. Art of Julia Cameron. This is a very common exercise that, that she recommends. And a lot of people uh, also, you know, say you should do because it's, it's great. <laughs> it is one of the tools that I use when I'm trying to kind of struggle through a book or if I'm trying to clarify a new idea. Um, yeah. So I would highly recommend that either, you know, set aside some time every morning or just a few times a week, but just put that on your calendar and just let yourself go and don't worry about what you're writing. Just, just, just let write. it, let it, yeah. yeah. But, but let's, let's say, and, and I, and I have had many authors that have been in this situation. Let's say though, that they've been, they've been knocking their head against the wall for years and it, it's not, it's not coming. It's just not happening. So what are the steps they need to do to be able to look for help? I mean, obviously they can come to Leaders Press, they can look to us, but you know, they may want to do research, they want to think about other things too. What steps do you recommend to someone to begin to explore what they may need? Yeah, I think there are there are various levels of kind of accountability and writing help that you can uh, look for. Right. So maybe you would look for a local writing group of other, you know, other folks who are also kind of working on similar projects, business books, that sort of thing, or just people who are in a local writing group in general. I know there's a bunch of different associations that might have writing conferences or, you know, regular meetups and things where you can start to build some accountability with other people who are also writing. Um, 
you might go a step up from that and actually seek out a couple people and have like a mastermind or like accountability mm. group where you're checking in weekly and reading each other's things and giving each other advice. And that can be a really helpful way of um, getting your motivation, but also, like you said, having that second, third, fourth pair of eyes on your work. Really <laughs> yeah, help however many you is. want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then there are kind of paid versions of those that you might find like a, you know, group of authors that you pay a certain amount and you get part of this like weekly mastermind thing. Um, there's courses that you might look for that, that could help give you that same level of accountability. Um, and then, yeah, if you, you can look for a developmental editor who would take kind of your full draft and help you reshape it. You can look for a ghostwriter who's going to work from with you from like the spark of an idea in the interview phase, um, something like your press, you know, the kind of the full package, like there's just, there's a lot of levels. Um, I don't know. Did that answer the question? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, I think what that, what that did is that there are a lot of options and sometimes don't be afraid to start small. I mean, that's kind mm -hmm. of what I'm, I'm hearing from you. Uh, and that, that is something that a lot of our authors have done. They start with writing a chapter or writing an article or doing things like that. Uh, do you find that to be something that's beneficial to, to begin digging in with smaller form writing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think so many books started from, you know, whether somebody was keeping a blog or um, writing articles and submitting them for publication, like you can, that's a fantastic way to start honing your idea and mm. okay, what different, what are all the different questions that I could answer for my audience? I'll write a blog post about that and I'll start a regular blog or put it on LinkedIn or submit it places. And eventually you kind of gather this body of work that it might all, not all go into the book, but a lot of it probably will. Yeah, exactly. And and we've had so many that have done that, um, that, that that's been their path. And it just be, creates that, it, just as you said a little bit earlier in the interview, that creates that usable material that, you know, when you're starting to approach it from a health perspective, yeah, you, you begin with being able to more focus in on the voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it helps then if you've also worked with somebody like us and, and then also gotten some marketing and help so that people have seen your articles um, yeah. well, and or somebody thing... like you, absolutely, that can help them craft and put together those kind of things. So yeah. to that end, then, Jesse, how can someone that, say, wants to do some direct one on one work with you, maybe wants to get some coaching, just wants to learn a little more? How can they find you? Um, probably the easiest way to find me is jessiequack.com and that's J-E-S-S-I-E-K-W-A-K.com. My, that has links to everything, all my Perfect. fiction, nonfiction, all of that copywriting, ghostwriting stuff. Um, my dedicated ghostwriting, uh, website is baseline editorial and that's B-A-S-S -S line, like a bass guitar. Perfect. All right. And we'll have those links down below for everybody to follow through. Jesse, we could probably talk for even longer. Uh, I'm sure that my audience is tired of hearing that. But yeah, I, we, we barely even touched on fiction, but that's not the scope of our podcast for the day. But uh, we may we may circle back on that if we want to have another conversation in the future. Sounds good. Yeah, this is fun. I love talking about this sort of thing. So like Wonderful. you said, I could go for hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, perfect. Well, Jesse, uh, we really appreciate it. It was a pleasure having you. We wish you the best in your endeavors. Yes, thank you so much. Appreciate it.